This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers. We decided to do something a little bit different today. Sometimes we get questions from clients. Sometimes we get questions from podcast listeners, which, by the way, includes you, so you can ask us questions if you like. And we sometimes look at those questions and go, boy, those are great questions, but they don't really fill up a 30-minute podcast. It's really not something that we can really go into super in-depth detail on. So we decided for this issue that we were going to do a little bit of a fishbowl type session with you all. We put the Mm -hmm. questions in a fishbowl, and we're going to pull those questions out. And we're going to talk about these different topics. And so these are some random topics that we get from clients. And I bet, as you listen to this, that you are going to hear some that apply to you and your work. We are joined today, as always, by our people-centric team of Bethany Taft, Diana Royalty, and our host, Matt Griswold. Thank you, Don. I appreciate that. Now, we're going to use the proverbial fishbowl, the quote-unquote fishbowl here, because right now, I'm just going to paint a picture for all of our listeners. There's four of us looking at each other intently on a Zoom call right now, but we all have access to the different topics that we are going to bring up. These are real-life scenarios. These are real-life questions, things that we one-off deal with within organizations. I would think we, we would agree none of these are industry-specific. This is doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter where you work. These are the types of things that we encounter, we hear on a regular basis. And so it's going to go kind of like this, where I'll feed us one of these questions, and then we're just going to, who has thoughts, and we're just going to share thoughts. It's going to be an organic conversation kind of put together like that. Don mentioned it, I'll mention it again. This is is probably one of my favorite ways to do the podcast, quite honestly. I love giving real life, just like hit me one time here. Uh, What are some, what's the feedback that you have? But if you have other topics that you would like us to you know, go through or talk about, we would love to entertain those um, as well. So. How can they reach us? How could they ask a question? Good one. You can email me at morethanworkpodcast at peopleccg.com. And we have a shortened version of that too. It's just morethanwork at peopleccg.com. So either one of those works and you can get a hold of us and just say that you would like some questions answered. And if you would like to be anonymous, all you have to do is say that too. And I will make sure that we don't read any private information on there for you. Yeah, that goes through our production team and they get screened carefully by our screeners, international team of screeners, which just passed on to us. So that's yeah. really exciting. We're process. also on LinkedIn. If you'd like to interact with us like that, or I'm on the Facebook. So whatever, uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <the> Facebook. <laughs> not just really wants, <laughs> not just wants more social media followers. This has nothing to do with the podcast. This is wow. all about his vanity. I need to add another topic. Matt Griswold has over 23 followers on Facebook right now. So (laughs) if you want to jump in with that with him, you could, you could join his crowd. And I love, I love all of them equally. All right, let's jump into this. Uh, Let's jump into this. And the first one I'm going to throw out here, it's kind of a two-parter. Diana, you and I were talking about this a little bit ago. And I know I've heard you talk about this with several clients as we, you know, as we have worked with them too. And sometimes it comes comes across in like that one-on-one coaching experience. And really it, it starts to uh, boil to the surface whenever people are getting frustrated because they can't make somebody do something or a team is not responding in a way. Or And, and, and a lot of times their first phone call is, hey, how do I get somebody to blah, blah, blah? Or I'm frustrated because they won't blah, blah, blah. And I love this. I love this topic, but it's this whole idea of you can only change you or maybe another way to look at that is controlling what you can control. 
because we all have this kind of realm or this, this uh, you know, influence area, I guess, around us of the things that we are able to control. And then we have that line that's outside of that, where we are getting ex extensively frustrated and creating a lot of stress and anxiety for the things that we can't control, the people that we can't, con uh, can't control. So Diana, maybe what would you say about you can only change you? Yeah. So I, I think about this a lot because I get a lot of people who will say, I read this book about leadership development and my manager is terrible. It's really his fault, right? <laughs> I love yeah. that. Um, but you were reading the book about, about leadership and you weren't thinking about your own leadership, which I think is so totally bizarre. But anyway, so I always tell people like, okay, you can't change your boss. Your boss isn't going to change. So the only thing you can do is change you. And they're like, well, I'm doing everything right. And I'm like, okay, then change how you respond to that person change how you respond and react to what they do. And that will inherently lead them to do something different as well. So like you have to switch something because what you're doing isn't working. And if you keep doing what you're doing, it's going to keep getting the same results. So I keep telling people just change how you respond and react instead of trying to get someone else to change who they are internally. Yeah. I like that say, point, Diana, because I've caught myself doing that before when I used to get leadership books and I was to work in bigger corporations. You get the books, and you're like, boy, they don't do any of this stuff. This is terrible. And then you just find yourself reading that book and going like, boy, they they are messing this up. And it's at, at one point, it's so you feel so powerless doing it that way because there's nothing that you can change. Like you're literally talking about things that you can't change versus thinking to yourself like, well, how could I show up differently to use what I'm reading to learn to influence the organization within my position today? That is, that is a much more powerful statement. Yeah. And I think this is something that can, can plague any type of employee, really. So it can be the, well, one at any level, but also it can be the engaged employee as much as it can be the toxic employee, it just who they're talking about changes, right? And so, you know, this shows up a lot in our coaching conversations of, what what could be known as the complainer and so they're they're ready to talk they're happy to share information but they're just gonna they're not going to talk about themselves at all they're just ready to hop on um just talking about everybody else and so yeah just being able to help redirect the conversation so that people start to own what they can own and and they can't and like you said diana they just you can't control everybody so what what do you have the power to control and it's always yourself it seems like yeah. a really basic principle, but it's true. Yeah. And, you know, and this is also one of those circumstances. I know we've talked about it internally a lot where that person gets very frustrated. They're stressed out. There's a lot of anxiety. They're carrying a lot of weight on their shoulder because they're spending so much time trying to figure out how to change somebody else or some sort of an unfortunate circumstance that's beyond their control. I like Bethany, how you use the word redirect. Sometimes we just have to get in front of them and long enough to build enough, enough trust to be able to redirect where their attention is. Because right now all the attention is on the things that are outside of their control. And you know, this is one of those, this is one of those circumstances where we have to give kind of tough love. If you are in this situation too, if you know somebody who they show up like this every day, and maybe you're coaching somebody, or maybe they're a friend of yours or something, you know, this is this is the tough love opportunity. This is the listen, here, here is your line, here is your area. These are all the things that you can make awesome. Beyond that. We have to kind of be okay with what other people are doing. If we don't, if we're not okay with that, then we have another decision to make too. Like we have, we have to really be candid with people sometimes uh, as well. Don, what were you going to add? It's amazing how I think we underestimate how powerful we really are and how much we can influence situations. 
when we focus on how we interact with the situation. I'm thinking about the TV show Brain Games, which I like. They do a lot of different demonstrations. And there's one where they do an experiment where they have somebody come in and they have a, a bowl of chili in front of them. And they have three sauces that are in front of them. They have a, a mild, a medium, and death sauce. And then what they're told is they're going to sit behind this. They're sitting behind a two-way mirror. And they said, there's a subject that's sitting in the other room. And they said, that person in the other room who cannot see you and will never meet you is going to have to eat this entire bowl of chili to get paid for this study. They have to eat this entire bowl. You can put whatever sauce you want into this bowl. But what they do to set it up ahead of time is they stage an interaction between that person and the person with the chili ahead of time where the person's rude to them. So they bump into them in the hallway and they say something nasty to them. And so what they found in the study is that, you know, the person now thinking I can get my revenge will always pour like the super hot sauce into it to, as, as kind of a revenge. Mm -hmm. But what the study also showed was that the scientist, the person who's playing the study, the scientist, if they are nice, even a little bit to the person in the room, then the person decides to doesn't do the hot sauce. They bail out. They'll do the medium sauce. So the third party who has nothing to do with the situation, the interaction, just by being a little bit nice. And just being a good example drastically changes how two other people interact with each other. I think we don't, we underestimate that in our team. I think that you as an employee can be hugely impactful on your team if you're a positive leader. And if you think about how do you positively influence each other people? And if you're successful ultimately in what it is that you do, you have a lot more power than you do if you just complain about what everybody else is doing wrong. Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of people probably basing their happiness within the job by how maybe their manager or leadership treats them whenever they don't have the title. I can't influence other people. We've done podcasts about that before. You know, you have you do have a, a, a tremendous amount of influence over the people that are around you, and you can use that influence regardless of the title. You know, in a positive way too. Let's let's ask another one here. There's this whole idea of okay, so hang in there, but you need to work on some stuff too. And maybe this is for that person who is passively going through life as the employee within the organization. They're waiting for the next thing to come to them. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe it's a raise. Maybe it's a, a move to a different role that they've been waiting on. Maybe it's a conversation they've been waiting on uh, their manager to have. It's this idea of being able to hang in there, but but there's also work on you know some of the things that we can do uh, also to help ourselves in the meantime. Bethany, did you have some thoughts around this, this idea here? Yes. So I think we see people like this all the time. I'm thinking of somebody that we had a conversation with recently who is just miserable in their position right now, not because they don't like what they do, but because they are super busy and they are growing a ton and they need more help in their department and they want to be promoted and all of these yeah. things. And so it's stressful. Their, their personal life is impacted and it's real. And I, and I get the struggle there, but we also have to, we've also had to have conversations about, Hey, I get it, but nobody else is going to make these changes for you. You have to be actively involved in it. So if you want to see something change, if you want to see something be different, um, what steps are you taking towards it? It goes back to the last kind of the last one too, of like, what can you change or what can you control? And so not just waiting around for other people to do it. And in fact, it might change anyways. It might, other people might be working on it, but it might 
happen quicker if you got involved for one thing. Mm -hmm. And for another thing, if you, if you just wait on other people to do it for you, it it might not turn out the way that you want it to. You might not, because you're not getting to be, you're not getting to own any of the change or give your opinion on things or create the new process or whatever it might be. So there's a lot of incentive to get involved and stop waiting around on other people. Yeah. Diana. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw a lot of this during the early parts of the pandemic where some teams were like, we're just going to settle in and just wait for this to end. And it's been two years and there's still like volatility and supply chain and all that other stuff. And so the teams that said, I'm just going to settle in and like wait for something to happen. Those teams are grossly underperforming compared to the teams that were like, I'm going to actually do something, even if it turns out to be maybe not exactly the right direction or maybe not exactly the right thing. I'm going to do something. And so they sort of took the circumstances into their own hands and says, I'm going to make something happen regardless of where I'm at and where we're going. Like, I'm just going to do something. I'm not going to settle. And I think it's, it's that sort of mindset of like, I can wait for things to change, but while I'm waiting, I can do something impactful. Yeah. And I think there's a whole different angle to this um, as well there with the hang in that we've, we've had those people, these interactions with employees too, where they're like, you know what, I'm just biding my time. I don't really want to get involved with this. I don't want to really go this direction. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to keep my head down, stay out of trouble. I'm just going to hang in there and ride this out. Right. And, and, and the other side of that is, okay, but there's a right way to hang in there and there's a wrong way to hang in there too. If you're hanging in there, but you're not proactively involved in the direction where your organization is trying to also go, you are now becoming a problem, which you will then be dealt with. If that makes, I don't know if I can say that any more candidly. If if your quote unquote definition of hanging in there is now disruptive to the flow, you know what? I didn't say anything during the meeting, but I'm not even a part of that. Right. And that's kind of the problem. So if you're, if you're hanging in there is now in direct conflict with moving forward in the direction that the company is trying to go to, you might even have a bigger spotlight put on you indirectly or involuntarily by just quote unquote, hanging in there. If that makes any sense, Don, what were you going to say? That that does make sense. Cause I think that when you think about influencing other people, Sometimes we usually think about that as deliberately trying to influence other people, not accidentally influencing other people. If you have a group of people and you're saying, hey, everybody, we should go this direction and you run that direction, some people might follow you if it's exciting enough. On the same ideas, everybody says, hey, we should all head this direction. You're like, no, I'm going to sit right here. You might convince some people to sit back with you. So like kind of yeah. go back to what Matt's saying that sometimes I think you're influential by saying, no, I'm just going to bide my time. Think about being in a meeting with a group of people and somebody sitting back saying, you know, what, what ideas do you have, Don? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm going to wait and see how this plays out. Like, right. Does that feel like a positive comment? You know, you're, you're communicating that sometimes, you know, you can imagine what my nonverbals even look like in that meeting. So you, you have to think about, you know, while this, I, I think a lot of it, by the way, happens and i know i just kind of stopped in mid-sentence for what i was saying i think you have to think about it as the reason that that happens a lot of times is because i think our expectations aren't being met and we're waiting for life to get back to what our expectations are and i think if you frame it that way for yourself and recognize that it may not get back to expectations um, i'm glad diana mentioned it around covid because like i think there's some teams that we see right now that are waiting for things to get back to normal and there is no back to normal there's no back to going back to what it used to be like. The world is forever changed. It's going to be different moving forward. So 
the best teams are proactively thinking about what does that mean, even though that's not what they planned for or thought was going to happen or hoped that was, was going to happen moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that kind of walks us right into this next idea here too, and this next thing that we've captured. And this this can go many different directions as well, but it simply says it isn't always positive. You know, and for the last couple of years, Don has said this, you know, no, nobody chose for this to happen. But now it's created some some change and, and you might be going to work right now or you might be in a work situation right now, which you do not view as uh, positive. Maybe you are that person that's waiting for it to go back to your comfort zone to your, you know, you might be uncomfortable, you might be disheveled, the the, the work or if I'm a salesperson, the sales might not be coming as, as they were, I might have to get a little creative. The information or the situation is not always positive, but what would we say? How do we address that when somebody is, maybe that's, it feels like that's their expectation for whatever reason. What, what can we take from that in order to maybe have a, uh, a teaching moment or an applicable teaching moment there with that scenario? With, it's not always positive. I know that when I'm coaching people, I ask them to look at sort of a bigger picture. There are a lot of times at work where you're going to be frustrated. Technology changes, industries shift, inventory goes up and down, people come and go. And so there's just a lot of circumstances that can make you frustrated, right? Like it happens. It is a job. And so I encourage people to kind of see the bigger picture and say, is this point of frustration so bad that I can't ever get over it and it's never going to change and I'm going to be miserable forever? Or is this like a, a circumstantial moment in time that I just have to work through and know that it will hopefully get better. I, I think to always think that your job is going to be amazing and roses and sunny every single day is setting you up for failure. And I think if you can go into the situations knowing that sometimes change is hard and it's going to be frustrating, that you'll come out on the other side better, just knowing that you have to work through the frustration. Yeah, we had we had one of those. This is just a real moment. We had one of those experiences last week, right? All four of us were traveling out of town to a client in Texas and weather did not cooperate. It was not positive as the notifications from American Airlines was coming through with delayed, 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 canceled, there delayed, 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 have canceled. been tears. I don't know who it was, but just... right, right. There may have been tears. We won't say who it was, Bethany, but I know that it was hard for some of us to to overcome this. It was just kind of an inconvenience. One of those moments there. How often in work do you have those inconveniences, or it didn't go as planned, or I thought it was only going to be this long, but it was this long, or you know, this is a moment I, I think too. It. Uh, that, that can kind of make or break uh, the relationship with your organization. Your ours might be on a smaller scale. It was first world problems. We still had great food. Uh, we get along really, really well outside of work and at work, you know, and so, you know, it's first world problems, problems for us, but it definitely didn't go as planned. It wasn't convenient. It was a situation that none of us would have probably picked, but you know what? We took the opportunity to go get some ice cream. Uh, which Diana promptly threw on the floor. That's a whole nother story. She literally dropped her ice cream on the floor. It was the saddest situation yeah. after all the and travel. And then she threw her coffee out of the car and then onto she the parking lot. So. Onto the car, into the car and out of the car. It went all through the floor and down and outside. So that was just so mad. That was just my way to show that I was throwing a temper tantrum. I just covered it up as accidents. Like I was actually throwing a temper tantrum. Right. It's a really good example though. Cause there was a point where we were literally like sitting in the hotel lobby without a, without a hotel room for four hours for four, for four hours thinking four like, hours. okay, do we go to the airport now? Do we wait? Are we going to book the flight? Are we going to try to, you're playing this game 
as you're trying to figure out where you book, do I just punt and try to go for this tomorrow? What's going to, what's this going to look like? And there was a moment where we had everything figured out of saying, we we actually literally asked ourselves like, well, how do we take advantage of this now? Like we all spent, we all were there for an extra time. And so there was this ice cream place that somebody had recommended that we didn't have time to go to before. And so we said, let's go find a good place for dinner that we can get kind of a lighter dinner and let's go get ice cream afterwards. Uh, and it was, it was pretty cool. It was a great, it was great ice cream, Diana. You really missed out what you dropped yeah. on the floor there. Shouldn't have thrown yours on the ground. Sorry. We only have a Thanks, $5 per person budget and we can't really. <laughs> it was good. And, and, you know, the other, the other side of this thought too, is, is it's not always positive, right? So there's going to be situations where we have to assess and then kind of work through. And it feels like it's a natural progression to this other thing that we have marked down here is, is don't ask if you don't want to know. If you're that person that just has to have positivity all the time and can't recognize the silver lining, even through the negative outcome there, then don't ask the question. But I think there's merit to this too. Diana, I know that you and I talked about this and we all talked about this, but you had some thoughts about this as well. But why would we say, don't ask if you don't want to know? Doesn't that seem counterproductive, this whole idea of people-centric and transparency and communication? Yeah. So I think the don't ask if you don't want to know is really don't ask if you're not going to you're not going to embrace and accept the answer. And I was thinking to a few situations, there's a client that we have that is getting a whole new system for how they work. It's a whole new electronic system and it's very, very frustrating for them. It's been lots of training and it's been difficult. So they recently have just told everyone like, guys, we know this is difficult, but you got to get on board because it's going to, this is what it's going to be. And some of the people were very like, okay, if this is what it's going to be, we're going to go through it. We're going to learn it. We're going to figure it out. And some people were like, absolutely not. You need to figure out how to get us back to our old system. I don't want to do this. And I just feel like those people who said absolutely not are just setting themselves up to be disappointed. They're just not accepting the reality that is in front of them. And I think if they had said, all right, fine. And jumped on board, their lives would be easier. But if they're rebelling against this thing that is kind of being forced to them to happen, the rebellion is only internal and it's only making it harder for yourself. It's kind of the motivation or understanding the motivation of why you're asking the question. If, am I asking the question so I can change your mind, which I know we've kind of touched on that in another podcast, or am I, am I actually asking the question to seek to understand? And the answer might not be the answer that I'm hoping for, but I'm okay with that too. I just need some direction. I need some clarity. I need some understanding. I need some transparency, uh, those types. So it might, be, it might be a question of motivation of why we're even having the conversation in the first place. Don, what were you going to add? I was just thinking a little bit, I was kind of pushing back on the statement a little bit of saying like, don't ask what you don't want to know. You know, I don't think that's a universal statement. I was thinking about the flip side of that of like, sometimes if everything's going great, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to poke the bear. So we don't ask questions. And we see owners of companies, especially, or managers do this a lot, where there's something out there like, I don't want to have that extra conversation. I don't want to look at the numbers. A lot of times we'll find owners who don't look at their financials because they don't want bad news. They don't want to know if they're making money or not. You know, so there is a little bit of the, sometimes you do want to ask the question, even if you don't want to know. I think the point is, is that it, once you do that, then what are you going to do with it? 
So I think that I think that's where we're ultimately getting to. And I think that's where the coaching is. We're walking through this. I know Diana's done this before, too, but I think that's where they start. But ultimately, we're hoping to get to where what you just said. And I say they like we're not guilty of this, too. We're guilty of this. Also, I don't want to ask the questions if I'm pretty sure I know the answer and it's not what I want it to be. But I think that's where growth takes place, too. We would encourage people to ask the question. And then, you know what? Be curious for the answer. Uh, which we've talked about fairly recently too. ask the question, be curious for the answer and then follow that with, okay, so what can I do? What do I have control over? How do I respond? And I'll tell you this, if you are, here's a, here's a tip. If you're an employee at a company that's looking for promotion, a lot of times those people who are responsible for promoting people are looking for how those employees respond to those maybe not so positive interactions. Uh, how did you respond to maybe that negative opportunity? What was your response? Did you feed into it and continue to go down that path? Or did you pick yourself up and say, okay, well, let me, let me see what are the things that I could control. Let me try to influence this a different direction in a positive way. Like that, that response is one of those moments of truth for employers as they are looking to promote employees on the inside. Let me take you behind the scenes a little bit in our consulting practice. So as we're working with clients, many times we will see something from our outside perspective that we think, boy, that's a good insight for that client. But one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, is that specific person ready to take that feedback or not? And that is often taken by how they respond to other things that happen that they don't expect or are upset about or whatever. Sometimes if somebody always flies off the handle and gets super upset about it and puts up all the walls, you know, they're not ready to accept the feedback, then a lot of times we'll hold the feedback a little bit, like we'll try to present it until they're ready for it. And, and try to put the, try to get people in position where they can accept that feedback. So it's be, you have to be careful about not accepting feedback well because people will watch that and then you won't get any of it. Oh, I know business owners who get themselves into that, and it's it's a, it's terrifying to me watching that happen to others because I think could that happen to me, where like everybody's just used to like oh Don likes it a lot better when we only give him the good news, so let's only give him the good news. And that, that's, that's terrifying. Like that's a bad position to be in. So you really have to watch how you take bad news so that make sure that you, you make sure you're showing people that you're open to it. You truly are and that you, you handle it in the right way. This is something that's maybe a more proactive stance of late as well. It just seemed like we were kind of inundated with bad news for the last year and a half or so, right? There was the rules kept changing on a day-to-day -day basis. People kind of braced themselves for the bad news, or what's the new regulation now, or what's the new government tax thing now, or you know what what does this look like? And then sometimes, and you guys can attest to this, Don. I know we, you know we've we've heard these stories too. Sometimes uh, you know we were told one thing, and then the reality that wasn't the thing. How are you going to respond to that now? <laughs> like those those things, and and I think this this plays into an organization, or or and and I'm hoping people take away this in a positive way, but I think this over the last year and a half has played into like a beat down employee pool or organization structure. Like it's, they had to be so flexible and customizable, but sometimes we got away from where we were going or we were getting so much bad information. I, I, I'm a part of this healthcare association group across, across the country. I won't say who it is, but they put out a poll question every Friday and then they share the results at the beginning of the following week. And the poll question uh, this last time was, have you implemented something recently to increase staff slash provider morale and or decrease fatigue among your staff 
during these difficult times? And 63% of the people responded with yes. Yes, I am proactively trying to do something to infuse and influence the culture that we are in in a positive, in a positive way because it feels like we've got nothing but uh, negative interaction or negative, negative feedback from that. Don, I, I see your face. What do you say? Well, I was just, I was just I, I'm, I'm sorry. The engineer always comes at it the other way. I'm like 37% were like, nah, they don't need me. <laughs> I totally wondered that too. 37%. We're like, yeah. eh, you're, I know you're dealing with a lot of stuff, but you'll probably handle it fine. Yourself. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's even more telling. A few weeks ago, the same organization put out one and it was like, have you experienced burnout during this pandemic? And 82% of the people said yes. 82% of the people responded with yes, that it was just, and you know, healthcare versus some of your other industries, you can imagine healthcare during this, uh, during the pandemic there, but that's pretty, that's a, that's a pretty strong statement for the, the workforce, for the culture of the places that we're going to work. So when we're saying got to be positive, not necessarily, but just be curious and then see what you could control within that to influence people in a positive way. We were working with a team a while ago, you know, and this is, I think a lot of this is being open to feedback so that you are positive with the response to it. We were working with a team uh, a while ago and the employee, there was an employee who was potentially up for promotion and they didn't get it. They hired, they brought somebody else in to be a promotion for the, from the outside. So this internal employee did not get the promotion and the employee immediately walked right to the boss's office and said, this is absolutely ridiculous that I wasn't selected for this. You're a, you're an idiot. Why didn't you pick me for this? This is the way that, and, and this, it wasn't surprising at all that the employee did this. And the, the boss telling me about it later was like, well, like, this is why, like <laughs> what you're doing right now is why uh, you weren't ready for this, for this position. And to a lot of people that are going, well, yeah, but that's, a, that is a situation to be frustrated about if they were the best person for the job. But I think what you're saying is no, 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 no. This has shown itself maybe over and over. This was a pattern of, of, of behavior potentially. The, the true problem was that you weren't the best person for the job and you didn't demonstrate that you were willing to hear that. Yeah, yeah. That's harder to do. And that's something that's, that's flipping it around because I talked about it from the owner's perspective and I'm talking about it to the employee's perspective yeah. is if you are, if you push back on every bit of feedback that you get as an employee, every opportunity to do a little bit better and if it becomes they and you fight all of it and you defend yourself and you get overly defensive instead of taking that listening from it and learning from those difficult that difficult feedback that comes to you you're signaling to everybody else that you're not ready for that feedback and if you're not ready for that feedback you're probably not ready for promotion either hard truth truth bomb boom that just blew up i love it i love it hey don right before we went on you had one that you wanted to throw into the mix as well did you want to cover that uh, topic that you had talked about and brought forward uh, I got this feedback from a client just the other day that they asked me the question, their supervisor, and they said, hey, sometimes when I listen, I listen to your podcast, sometimes you talk about these really nice, soft approaches with employees where you're, you're coaching them, you're mentoring them, you're asking a lot of questions, you're kind of working with them to help them to discover the path forward. But then sometimes you talk about like the harder side of management, like I'm driving accountability, I'm, I'm giving orders, I'm, I'm, I'm radical yeah. clarity, I'm making sure it's clear about the direction. And he said, he asked me the question, said, when do I be a coach and mentor? And when do I just be a boss and tell you, like, go do it this way. And if you don't, like, there's going to be consequences. When do I pull those two things out? So I thought I think, that might be a good one for us to discuss. I think it's funny that they're equating. When do I get to be the manager and give them the hard truth? And sometimes I do that through coaching at the same time. I just help them discover those things instead of having to say it. You know, so I, I don't know if it's as black and white as maybe what that manager or that uh, person was was maybe staging it. I don't know if there's 
there's very, very seldomly a time that I turn off the coaching mechanism and just give direction. I think from a manager and leadership position, my job is to be able to create a vision, set a strat, help set a strategy, uh, help create a scope. And notice I'm using the word help because hopefully we can do that kind of together and then remove obstacles for you to be the best version of you, you that you can be now that you have a good idea of the direction that we're going. I think that's my role as the manager. I don't know that I turn it on and off. I think, you know, when, when you're having a conversation like that, you're, it's almost like punitively. Like, like this is not uncommon whenever we start working with, with uh, different companies and they're like, so do you just give the keys to the inmates all the time? Like, are we not manage? are we not supposed to correct or manage people anymore? Like they just get to do whatever they want to do. That's not, that's not the idea, but we struggle with this whole idea of coaching and co-creating objectives and strategy. Like we're in this, we're working on this stuff together as a team at the same time so i'm not sure if that's where you were going with that don but bethany it looks like you have some thoughts too yeah i would say sometimes it's just depending on if people own it or not so if you're coaching somebody and they don't own it i mean they're not taking that and sort of latching onto it and running with like oh i i recognize what you're trying to say and yes there are things i can make changes towards and here's how i think i can do that and all of those different things and here's how i want to get involved and Blah, blah, blah. If people are, if people are taking that and owning it, then that's one thing. I think if you are continually having those coaching conversations and somebody is not owning it, then that's probably where you want to draw a line and say, okay, we're going to have to take a little bit of a harder approach here so that we get our message clear and really kind of set expectations about how we need to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Diana. Yeah. I think if we're going to be honest here, guys, I'm the one that you're going to send in if you want some hard truths, because I love giving people hard truths. I think it's necessary sometimes, and sometimes people just need to hear it differently. So I would say there is a space for it. I just think you have to try first to get them to come to that on their own. And they, you also have to recognize like, when are they ready to hear it? So I think if you have tried to coach and you've tried to, you know, nudge people a direction and you've given them, you know, questions to think about and ways to act in different situations. And they still are coming to you with the same things over and over again. It might not bad to like tough love it, but I think you need to work there and get the relationship there first and build some trust first so that when you do give hard love, it is from a place of love and caring and not from a place of managing and telling and being yeah. a boss. I think that's key. What you just said, Diana, is the relationship building. And I think that's why the coaching first is really important is because then people will hear you when you say, Hey, (laughs) all right. I just don't like separating coaching versus managing. Like I, 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 I think it's a, it is one umbrella. I have to decide when it's appropriate to do to do what? It's like uh, questioning, open and closed-ended questions. And I'm not here to tell you when to ask an open-ended question and when to ask a closed-ended question. They're both at your disposal. Use them appropriately. And I would say, by the way, after we left our restaurant the other night uh, in Texas, you guys got on to me for delivering a difficult truth to the manager of the restaurant. And I was not even being harsh with him. He asked my opinion and I told him. You built (laughs) zero relationship with that person and you just laid a truth bomb and it was harsh hey, he broke his ask. little spirit don't Wait ask if you so don't want to know we have to bring the reader the listeners into our inside joke here so here's what happened let me explain here this because this is a really actually a really good this example. is good this is good this is a really good example so we are we are well three of us are lovers of old fashions in, in, in the room. i won't say which one i am not one of them okay bethany. well bethany is not the one who loves it. 
but we will so we'll try old fashions in different places it's kind of fun to pick a drink and go different places and see like who's got what versions of it you get to try different bourbons and stuff with it and so we were at this place and they had a they had a drink they called it a new fashioned it's kind of clever whatever but it was like a smoked old-fashioned and the um the owner i think it was the owner or manager or whatever it was was walking around and he was talking he was asking us how we were doing and we said hey we found this new new fashioned because we had tried old fashions the first time and he goes in he goes he starts describing how they make the drink and he goes into this loving detail of how they make it and how proud he was and how it was new and how you guys got to try it and how it's going to be awesome and all this stuff and how just all these things and so he lays it out so we ordered a couple of them and we got those and then he comes around and says so how do what do you think of the new fashions and Matt's like, honestly, I've had a lot better in lots of different places. You can't really even taste the smoky flavor. It's not really that much different than the other one. And your presentation is not. not very good either. It's not that great. <laughs> That's a half truth. That's no, a half truth. It's pretty close. Oh, we looked, I feel like we, the three of us looked at each other and Matt's just like, <laughs> that happened. You know what? Ask and be curious for the response and think what you can do to own that. We just talked about this, guys. So, so Matt, are you being open to our feedback right now? Because that's going to govern whether we can give you feedback in the future. <laughs> we can cover all of these right now. We can cover all of these right now. This is real. This is real. But I like Diana's point before, too. And 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 Matt, Matt's got a way. I will give Matt a lot of credit. Matt's got a way of doing it and delivering news like that, but kind of giving it kind of a ha-ha kind of thing a little bit and 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 also he's good at reading people too i don't think that guy went home crying and was upset about it i think he was pretty open to that so i think he read the situation but i think a lot of people would not have taken that as well and i do agree like what diana said earlier was really good is that you can give somebody truth bombs but really like i mean bethany talked to when we have an advisor dr baker we've had her on the podcast before she's great she as a licensed counselor uh, one of the things that uh, I know Bethany, you and her talked about recently was the idea that whenever you're going to drop truth bombs, the other person should be kind of wanting, be indicating some readiness to receive should, truth bombs. Yeah, they should ask it. She kind of, she said like, don't give insight until somebody asks for insight, basically, because then you're just going to be wasting your, wasting your time sharing some insight with somebody who's not going to receive it or do anything with it. Yeah. Now in the, in the old fashioned or new fashioned example, he did come back and say like, well, what did you think? Tell me he what did, you thought he about did ask. it. He did Tell ask. me what you thought. And <laughs> I would be doing himself a disservice and all the other patrons that are there and yet to come. If I wouldn't have given honest feedback, uh, you don't have to change it based on my account. You just wanted to know what I thought. Matt's demonstrating one concept for us. And then also demonstrating the other concept. He's being a positive example in one and a negative example, the other one on the feedback. <laughs> one. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a, so, so as you think about dropping truths for other people, they need to give you some signal that they're looking for it, some signal. And as Diana, I think said before too, is I think you have to have some relationship with them to be able to give the harder the truth, the more of a relationship you have to have for trust. But also on the flip side of that, which is I think where this started is if you really want the truth bombs and you recognize that you need the truth bombs, because we've talked about how rethinking is really powerful. Like we've done a whole episode on that, of how rethinking how you think is really good because you could be wrong on something. If you want to recognize that, then you have to take a step back and be take that input in a good way. Matt, you have to take yeah. that input in a really positive way. I, rec Matt. I recognize that. Thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> there you go. That was great. 
It's hard. Right. So, too. so, so hopefully there was a topic there that maybe you felt like you leaned more towards, uh, maybe, maybe than another, I don't know, maybe you, you were engaged in all of those. If you have other topics, then we'd love to be able to hear those as well, but hopefully the conversation was good. Uh, hopefully that you, you walked away with a, a tangible step maybe that you can take on how to approach some of these difficult situations too. So we appreciate you all tuning in. We appreciate you subscribing. Maybe share this podcast with a friend. We'd love to be able to broaden our reach and and, uh, be able to influence others as much as, as hopefully we're influencing you too. So thank you all for joining us. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.